From DS Media Studios in Tema, Ghana, this is Two Peswas. Two Peswas is a weekly podcast where we cover a range of topics, from buzzing media headlines to music to highlights from the week. Each episode is co-hosted by myself, Peaches, and Eddie. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. We're on episode 43. So whether you're commuting to work, you're cooking, you're just chilling, this is a good time to listen to our new episode. Sure is, <laughs> sure is. <laughs> and yeah, without, without saying too much, straight into the news. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, so in the news uh, recently, China has decided to clamp down on foreign influence. The central government recently announced sweeping changes um, to its education sector. So um, if you remember, either last week or the week before, I talked about the Ghana Education Service. So I thought this was an interesting juxtaposition, uh, among uh, other things. So two of the many directives to come down from central government was a ban on the use of all foreign textbooks at primary and junior high school level. They also decided to limit the teaching of English in um, public schools. And in a move that has affected hundreds of thousands of foreigners who live and work in China, they have also banned all private companies offering language tutoring services, which is mostly uh, English language tutoring services. Now, to give you some perspective, there are estimated to be 70,000 um, Americans alone teaching English in China at the moment. Now, China is a notoriously hard country to get a work permit slash visa for. And the logic, uh, their policy logic is that no foreigner should do any job that can be done by a Chinese mm. national, which, okay. you know, fair, mm. fair enough. So one of the only ways actually that you can get to live and work in China is on a special specialty visa offering language services because there again they they concede that no chinese person would ever be able to teach or understand a foreign language right. at the level, level. of proficiency mm-hmm. that a native speaker of that language would okay um so yeah and but now that has all come to an end and they're clamping down on all of it and their stated reason was that they would like to uh, limit foreign influence on Chinese youth, and so that yes, and so they feel <laughs> that hmm, the ideology and I guess you, what paradigms, um, everything that are in foreign textbooks are not to their liking, mm. and they would like to be able to I guess better shape young minds mm-hmm. uh, in China. So. And also this year in particular, they are celebrating some kind of anniversary. I can't remember what. Yeah. And they've actually banned, not banned, but suspended uh, foreign movies at Chinese box office, which has wreaked a lot of havoc actually on the entertainment industry because like these days more than ever, a good portion of um, box office, global box office earnings come from China, but they've decided to preference Chinese made movies mm-hmm. at the cinema so so many foreign movies like hollywood movies haven't been able to release in china yet okay so why am i even bringing this up mm. well as far as i'm concerned china has always understood the assignment when it comes to china absolutely okay um <laughs> they have an ideology an inherent ideology of protectionism of their interests their people their way of life 
things like that. So when I hear and see this and I compare it to, I'm going to put it this way, how other countries allow, because it's we allow yeah. China to basically have impunity and do almost whatever they want us, really. <laughs> in our countries, whereas you cannot even get into China, much less open a business with ease, mm. um, go into mining services. Who's going to let you do that? Yeah. Who's going, now they don't even want you to come and teach their kids English. I mean, I, and, and yet here we have it where there are Chinese people in the north killing donkeys. Mm-hmm. They're polluting the water. They are yeah. apparently open stores in Makola. They're everywhere and doing everything all across Africa. Yeah. And the very idea that it, their, their domestic policy is that no, no job should be done by a foreigner that they can do. Mm. Why have we not adopted a similar, similar policies for ourselves? Why are we always allowing you know other nationals to do things in our countries which are to our own detriment because there are benefits in it for certain people exactly. i believe because otherwise there'll be no way you'd let people come in and do anything that they want you exactly know? and illegally too sometimes they get yes. it so much because it's, i sorry not yeah, to no, not no, to interrupt I, I was like people was like eh, chinese are doing we've allowed them yeah. to mm-hmm. how does mm-hmm. how do chinese nationals end up in the in some uh, mining area in the middle of nowhere with their own militia guns and yeah, everything. Yeah, how like is that, that How did they get? How is that possible? With the help of lots and lots and lots of Ghanaians. That's yeah. why. That's how. And who have been paid, and they're basically we are always selling our souls for cheap, mm-hmm. and not thinking about the greater good. You know, the na- nationhood. What's best for us as a nation? And they have always been that way and for for this this is a huge move because china has become obviously a a global super regional superpower and they did this by opening up you know and allowing trade and things like that and they have gone to the point where like you know we good we good we actually don't need you know yes we wanted the exchange of goods with america and the world or whatever, but we don't want you infiltrating us with whatever funky ideas y'all have <laughs> and fair play to them i'm sure like you know i listen i don't communism is a hot mess and there's so much hypocrisy involved in it but at the very least there's lessons to be learned from everything mm. and this is one where we can even follow their own lead and be like okay same way we can't come to your country and do this you you can come to our country, country and, and, yeah, and do yeah. that and do that why 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 but can't? the thing is also that in, in a way i guess we can't say that because the chinese are coming here they're building roads for us they're building so and so for us so people i don't think people in leadership can confidently say okay we can't we can now restrict these people because they're actually doing something for us but here's the you thing know? we have a school of engineering and all that we churn out probably 10,000 or something stu- we don't why, regard why, why them why can't we build because a road because we don't because in our minds we think that oh they're not qualified enough the chinese why must can't be we it's, build it's ridiculous common road bridge whatever 50 60 however many years after independence we're still dependent on people who would not reciprocate in the same way. It's not way. right. It, it, it's it's not know. right. We need to look inwards and look at the talent. We have a lot of talent in yes. this country. Like that, yes. that's, not, that's not even the issue. You We've know. got talent. So why are we not using it? So I think, I mean, obviously, I'm sure somewhere there's written down. Well, my dad used to tell me in the Kruma, in Kruma's time, mm-hmm. because he knew how the game was played, mm-hmm. you could not be, same thing, you could not be a foreigner and own um, a shop. What, 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 why? 
you know and so that's how some people ended up marrying Ghanaian women mm, just so just they could claim okay. uh-huh, and so they could stay and work but still we need to do better we need to do better take the lead from China mm-hmm. and you know understand the game they've always understood the game Actually, and we are, somehow still don't anyway so yes, yeah that's really unfortunate but that's what it is okay yeah so in my in the news in Iceland, there have been some tests to see whether a four-day work week would actually be um, mm. successful, be, be okay to do. And the results have shown that uh, the well-being of the employees actually increased, the productivity was not affected, and in some cases, the productivity of the workers actually improved. Now, they didn't go strictly by a four-day working week, but they just reduced the hours to see how that might mm. eventually work. So 2,500 workers, which is about thousand, which is about one percent of Iceland population, was tested between 2015 and 2019. There was no pay cut, and the the areas included non-traditional and traditional um, kinds of work, so offices, factories, preschools, hospitals, nine to fives, and like I said, the aim was to increase the well-being of employees. Now, other countries have also followed suit. They also want to try a four-day work week. New Zealand has done that, and mm. they actually saw a 20% increase in productivity. Spain has also attempted that, as well as Japan. Now, I think generally that this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. If you, as a company or an organization, you're, you can afford to do that, then it's absolutely fine. Because how many times have you have we gone to work only to get into meetings back to back to back to back and the thing that you're actually supposed to do you don't get you're done not because doing. You're, you're stuck in meetings or you like zone out you're yeah. like, I'm not working you're just sitting there but right? you're not doing anything right meetings that could have been solved over a, a quick couple of emails or <laughs> over a short huddle a lot of the times and I've also experienced a lot of the times meetings are really 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 not necessary mm-hmm. they're really a waste of time imagine you have a deadline you've got tasks uh, deadlines to meet and you're stuck in the meeting half of the time people are joking about this and that or the, <laughs> like the are there pastries strains, you there know donuts or it's coffee really, and it's, it's i don't know of course in certain places getting up getting dressed putting on your getting your stuff together sitting in a car is 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 that's what's defined as how you're actually going to work so mm-hmm. you at a desk five days a week is is you going to work but the thing is, a lot of us work too, way too much. There's constant burnout. People are working overtime, hope in the hope that they'll be recognized by their their by their mm-hmm. superiors. Hopefully that they get promoted. But at the end of the day, we always have to look at productivity. You working nine to five, Monday to Friday, doesn't necessarily mean you're doing a good job. Right. It just means that probably right. you're sitting behind your computer playing solitaire or, <laughs> or on Twitter or on Facebook or doing whatever, right? And uh, a four-day work week, I think, will be really, really practical. People, mm-hmm. like, having just a two-day weekend, I just think it's not enough. You as, imagine you as a worker, you're, let's say you've got kids, means you're using Saturday to do all the chores, maybe do some bulk cleaning and all that. Then before you know it, it's Sunday, you're mm-hmm. groaning because it's getting to Monday. You have to do the same thing. I don't really think it's enough. And if you care about the well-being of your employees, you would think about the fact that they need maybe a little longer time to work. Working four days a week and resting three days a week, it should be possible to do. Again, there are certain companies, organizations that might not be able to, but it should be, it should regardless, it should should be be doable. Yeah, it should be on the table. It should be considered. 
and um, at the end of the day, your hum- the human beings are the, the, the uh, company's best capital. So if they are not doing their job well, the company is going to suffer, the mm-hmm. organization is going to suffer. So that is something we should think about. Even in Ghana, the traffic in Accra is absolutely horrendous. Can you imagine what would happen if we just had a four-day week, four-day working week instead of a three-day working week, a five-day working week? It's people are stressed. People are mm-hmm. stuck in traffic mm-hmm. for two hours. So that extra day might actually do a lot. Right. So and they could probably my... stagger it. It's not that everybody will be exactly. in town on Friday. Exactly. exactly. Some people are off on Tuesday. Some people yeah, are off on Wednesday. Yeah. You know, that that will make it really perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's my in the news. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, so before we move on to songs of the week, I just want to... It sounds like we're <laughs> podcasting from a chicken farm right now. <laughs> I know. Um, there's some gangster out there doing <laughs> the most. Uh, so I apologize, apologize for that. Um, I hope it's not too disruptive. Okay, so songs of the week. All right, so I have three songs this week. Uh, my The first song is called Ka, and it's by an artist called Isolde. Um, yes. What's that from? France? Spain? Oui, 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 oui. <laughs> so, Isote Onguene is a 27-year-old singer-songwriter. She's from France. And she was born to parents of Cameroonian descent. And she rose to prominence when she was the runner-up on the TV show La Nouvelle Star, which is basically the French version of American Idol, if you're American, or pop idol in the UK. And this was in 2014. So after the show, she released her debut album in 2015, and she followed that up with three EPs. And Cor, uh, the song, is taken off her second EP called Noir, and that came out in 2019. And um, for those of you who remember your primary school friends, Cor <laughs> means body, and the song basically talks about um, centering yourself, I suppose, um, sort of letting go of all the trauma, all the disappointment, and finding yourself again. And it's it's really, really quite beautiful, very moving. She's amazing vocalist and so yeah that's my first song mm-hmm. by Isolt. the second song i have for you is called he won't hold you and it's by jacob collier mm-hmm. uh so jacob collier is a singer songwriter producer multi-instrumentalist and a music polymath Basically, imagine if Einstein decided not to pursue physics theory <laughs> and decided to do music theory instead. Like, he's quite literally a genius, a music genius. Um, and, so his, and his music is noted for its complexity and its layered harmonies. And so both his mother and pater- maternal grandfather are renowned violinists. Uh, he briefly attended the Royal Academy of Music, where his mother is also a professor. So basically, they take this seriously and they know what they're about. And he got discovered uh, by posting his reimaginings and remixes of popular songs, well, not popular, but songs, um, to YouTube. And he eventually caught a lot of people's attention, including Quincy Jones who invited him to perform at the Montreux Jazz Festival, where he met Herbie Hancock. If you know jazz, you know who Herbie Hancock is. And he developed a friendship with Jacob, and they've actually since collaborated multiple times and are quite good friends. 
And so after his show, his, his appearance at the Montreal Jazz Festival, his profile just increased from there. And then in 2016, he, he released his first album called In My Room. And it's just as it says, he recorded everything in his bedroom, mm. played every <laughs> instrument, uh, recorded all the vocals, did all the layering, uh, and mixing, mastering, everything by himself. And how I even found out about him, I wa- he was on Tiny Desk. Shout out to Tiny oh, yes, Desk. Man. Amazing. Listen, amazing. Tiny Desk, Eight Colors Show, KXP. Mm. Your your bases are all covered. That's how I discovered all my new music. Mm, um, okay. So yeah, he appeared on Tiny Desk, and it was like a band, right? Probably a six person band. And it took me a few minutes to realize that he was the one playing oh, every right. single instrument. So he had basically <laughs> recorded this show six times and then edited himself. So he was on guitar, bass guitar, lead guitar, vocals, drum. I mean, oh. it was incredible. <laughs> In, absolutely incredible. Uh, he has four Grammys to his name so far. And he's released four albums in total. And this song, He Won't Hold You, is off his um, album, Jesse Volume 3, which came out in 2020. And it's basically about love lost, right? He's basically saying to somebody who has now left him that this new guy she's with won't hold him like he used to. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and he has, <laughs> he looks like, first of all, he looks 12. I think he's about 20 mm-hmm. something, but he looks very youthful. He has a very youthful energy, but he has this really rich bass voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't look him up. You will not expect <laughs> what comes out of him. Like it's quite incredible. So yeah, that's my second song. He won't hold you by Jacob Collier. Um, and my third song is called Cameras and it's by Super Jazz Club. Uh, so Super Jazz Club is actually a Ghanaian indie art collective Ooh. made up of seven individuals who I won't name right now because there's a lot of them, <laughs> um, who bonded over their mutual love of music, production, DJing, fashion, and visual arts, film, etc. Um, so they formed in 2018 and released their first single in 2019, followed by their first EP in 2020 called For All the Good Times. Uh, they described their sound as jazz fused with Afrobeat, drill, R&B, and soul. And in this summer, or 2021 over summer, um, they, re- they released a new single and it's called cameras and honestly it's was it's really good i mean obviously i wouldn't be talking about it if it, was. if it wasn't but mm. i've been pleasantly surprised by their music i like their vibe um it's very alte indie sort of thing and i feel like we need more of that um just people stepping outside of the box and mm. trying new things mm. and it's pretty great so check them out so yeah that's me this week uh isolt corp Jacob Collier, He Won't Hold You, and Super Jazz Club with Cameras. Okay. All right. So in my songs of the week, this week I have two. And the first one is a song called Right by the group by a group called Kruambin. I know them. Oh, you do? Yeah, they do okay. funky jazz stuff. Okay, like, right Yes. One of their songs is like, in fact, all their songs are lit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Kruambin is a... Tiny desk again. <laughs> I know them. <laughs> Made up of a tr- an American trio, Laura Lee on the bass, Max Speer on guitar, and then Donald Johnson on drums. And their name translates to airplanes or flying engine. And it's a thigh, so the name is thigh, thigh inspired. 
Now, the, the genre is probably a mix of all other genres. They don't really li like to be put in a box. So they say they make a global music. Some say it's Thai funk. It's just a really a nice mixture of, mm. of everything. They have three albums out this far, uh, but Wright is actually off of a new soul album called Modern Love, which is a tribute to David Bowie. Oh, wow. Yes. And cool. yeah, and Wright is a remake of a song by Young Americans. And uh, this Modern Love is a project by DJ McFadden and BBE music uh, produce founder Peter Adakwa. Hey. Right, I think Hello. he's I think he's I think he's Ghanaian. I looked him up but I didn't see too much oh, of him. I see. But yeah, so that's that. And uh Rice has got a very psychedelic, ethereal vibe. It's the so kind mm. of song that you play when you're just chilling or vibing. I really like mm. it. It's so oh yeah, like the music trance is kind super of, vibing. Yeah, it's like seventies psychedelia. Love, exactly, exactly. I really love it. And I think I first heard it on I don't know whether it was on TikTok, but I heard it somewhere mm. and I was like, I really need to find this full song. It's really, really beautiful. So that's the first one. The second song that I have for you is called Loving is Harder and it's by Johnny Drill. We've talked about Johnny Drill on here before. And this song, Loving, Loving is Harder, is off of his new album out Before We Fall Asleep. And like I said, we've talked about Johnny Drill before. He made a song with Simi, Hallelujah. Beautiful, beautiful song. And Loving is Harder is a really beautiful, mellow, sexy song. Uh, the album was released in September, on the 3rd of September. And in case you missed it, Johnny Drill is Nigerian and he makes some really amazing Absolutely. music. I believe he's on Don Jazzy's Maven, Maven record mm. label. And the album actually is a nice mixture of mid-tempo, slow songs, and even a bit of rock. There's one song, there's a bit of, he's talked about the snake eating, the, the <laughs> money-eating snake and the monkey, whatever. And it's, that song's actually really, really good. It's got a bit of a rock vibe to it. But this song is my favorite on the album. And that's my two, Right by Crumbin and Loving is Harder by Journey Drill. Wonderful. <laughs> okay, so on to What the F. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, so in my what the f this week, Reese, and this happened pretty recently. A New York man had the worst day of his life when he fell down a sinkhole into a nest of rats. Mm. Now his name is Leonard Shoulders, and he was waiting <laughs> at a bus stop with his brother when the sidewalk literally just collapsed and created a sinkhole underneath his feet. And he fell almost 15 feet down, what? yes, into an underground chamber that was teeming with rats. Now, uh, if you know New York, York, you know they have a ridiculous rat problem. In fact, when it flooded, the Hurricane Ida, is it Ida or Ida? Ida, yeah. Ida passed through there and uh, some parts of New York were flooded. There was uh, something with this little clip of some rat, like just having the best day ever. <laughs> doing synchronized swimming <laughs> things down floating down the road so people were some people were even shocked that rats could swim in the first place mm. much less this guy was giving us twirls and stuff <laughs> in the water uh so yeah new york has a serious rat problem anyway so um so leonard was actually very fortunate to have been around people when he fell mm. because he said he wasn't able to shout out for help because he Felt that if he opened his mouth, the rats would oh, crawl into it. it nasty. Can you imagine? Now, this poor man spent 30 minutes down there before uh, the fire service were able to come and rescue him. 
And unfortunately, because of the fall, he's actually, he fractured his spine and Mm. is currently paralyzed. Um, And ironically, um, it's basically, you know, they they said that he would have died outright if not for the fact that some of the rats cushioned his fall when he fell on them. Um, (laughs) I guess. And so um, I believe his family have sued the city for like medical damages and what, and mm-hmm. rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually even a video and it's quite, it's really quite frightening because he was just standing there waiting for the bus and then he just fell through and like the whole just, no earthquake, no nothing. Yeah. The sidewalk literally just collapsed and he fell down and in there. And obviously, I'm just like, listen, I cannot imagine. Anytime I think of it, yeah, it's really being like rats crawling all over you and, and you're, you're Fifth, it's why, just, hasn't, why hasn't New York done anything about the rat problem? Because they, they can't. can't. There's they too, can't, much, too much. New York is built on like three layers of mm. under because they had one underground system mm. and they built on top. Mm. And then, so there's like so there's so much of New York underneath right. that basically there's more rats than people like many <gasps> many many times over. So if somebody has to move, is the people is not no, the rats. <laughs> it was really nasty. Oh. So yeah, that's my what the f. Kind okay. of scary. It and, is. Um, it is. Okay. So in my what the f today. So imagine you give birth and then suddenly you've got a really you've got a swelling under your armpit, Uh-oh. and then you go to the doctor. And they examine it and then they squeeze the mass and oh realize and realize that it's actually breast milk. So this is exactly what happened to a woman in Portugal. I think she was about 26. She'd given birth and then eventually found out that she was lactating from her armpit. What the I'm heck? sure, I'm sure this was confusing for her, but this is actually a condition and oh it's known gosh. as polymastia. That's so another in, thing I'm adding to my list of why pregnancy I know. is the worst, okay? Wow. So it's a condition in where you get more than two breasts and the additional breast tissue develops. Um, yeah, it develops. And apparently between two and... Six percent of women are born with additional breast tissue. Wow! And this additional breast tissue grows as, as a result of embryonic development and disappears as the fetus develops. Oh, I so see. So obviously your two stay there, but then the third is actually uh, extra, so to speak. Um. Right, and sometimes in some cases you would have a, an extra nipple also mm-hmm. growing. So in 1999, an 18-year-old mother also was suffering from polymastia and she actually had to pump milk from her armpit to relieve the pain because it oh was full of goodness. breasts. I'm so disturbed. Yeah, I know. I saw this and I was like, okay, this is actually quite weird. I've never heard this. Mm. And to know that it's actually a condition. And I've should... actually heard of third nipples. It's quite mm. common. Apparently even Mark Wahlberg has an extra nipple. But okay. there's not the actual, t- it's mm. just the nipple. But mm. to know that it can act actually, like an actual yes, breast. Like an actual breast. And, and that's breast. the thing. Pregnancy is, you hear so many stories oh. that people really, women really go through it. There's so much that can happen. You really don't want an extra breast. But if you have, I guess, Maybe if you have triplets, then I set, guess set, one set can like latch one can on right under there. your armpit and just be doing your thing. So that's my really short what the f polymaster. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Disturbing, but great. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Good to know. Okay, <laughs> and now we're on to two pesos. Yep. And my two pesos this week is the fable of the scorpion and the frog. Oh, 
Yeah. So gather around, children, and story time. <laughs> so the current iteration of this fable um, has been traced to 20th century Russia, but the story is apparently much older and is apparently um, based on a Persian fable from antiquity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've heard this or not, but it goes something like this. A scorpion is at a river bank and wishes to cross the river, but can't because scorpions can't swim. So he's standing there waiting, wondering what to do, when along comes a frog also getting ready to cross the river. So the scorpion asks the frog if he would carry him on his back across the river. And the frog is very hesitant to do this Mm -hmm. because he says, well, what if you sting me? To which the scorpion replies, if I were to do that, then we would both drown. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't make any sense. So then the frog is convinced and he's like, okay, fine, let's go. Halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. So as the frog is drowning, well, as they're both drowning, actually, the frog asks, why would you do this knowing the consequences? To which, famously, the scorpion responded, I couldn't help it. I stung you because it is my nature. Mm. (laughs) So, why has this particular fable lasted through the ages and eras across cultures? Well, um, because it's subject to much interpretation and analysis. And some of the things that people come up with are quite useful. And I thought (laughs) I'd share them today. Now, according to social psychologists, this fable represents a counter to the idea that human beings always make rational decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, if you um, study in actually in quite a few domains, but I did economics many moons ago. Mm -hmm. One of the the things that a lot of economic classical, I guess, classical paradigm economic theory is based on is that human beings make rational choices. Mm All things being equal, if something is cheaper, they'll buy more. Mm-hmm. If this is more expensive, they buy less, so on and so forth. However, you, you know, more like modern theory has come to understand that actually mm-hmm. a lot of human behavior is not rational mm-hmm. in the slightest. Mm-hmm. But of course, way back in the day, a long time ago, this was built into everything that a human being will always make the best choice for mm-hmm, themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think now more than ever, we know that that is not, not the true. case. Yeah. And this fable is one of the, I guess, early uh, manifestations of the concept that sometimes human behavior is completely illogical right. and unpredictable, mm-hmm. which is of course very useful to know. <laughs> um, another, um, other theories have um, assessed it to be a political allegory mm. where the scorpion represents government. Mm. Hmm. I, I particularly liked this Not one. <laughs> um, so we are the poor frogs, right? And we've been burnt many times. And because of that, we have a uh, found, well-founded skepticism of the government, i.e. the scorpions. But, on. but then, of course, they come, they present a convincing argument. You They're like, it's going to be different this time. I wouldn't do that. We're all in this together. I need you as much as you need me. So we're just like, hmm, maybe <laughs> this time it will be different. And you cast your vote for them and basically yes. carry them on your back. And halfway through, it all ends in tears. <laughs> 
hot tea. And some of us in this part of the world understand that all too well. The disappointment, the pain, and literally leave us drowning, whether in... uh, you know, public death, debt, mm. unemployment, no electricity. We mm. are here drowning mm. all day long, all the time. Or literally when there are floods. Literally. literally I know. <laughs> like anytime it even rains yeah. a little. Uh, so, yeah. Um, others have also said that this is a caution against naivete, that you should always be wary. Yeah, 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 Some yeah. have also said the fable tells you to always trust your gut instincts even in the face of a smooth talking Listen, convincing <laughs> um, <laughs> you know and maybe this is a special one for, for relationships the F boys out here oh, if listen. your gut tells you something don't listen to the words you know to walk away before you get stung and drowned okay <laughs> and finally some people um, it, it's basically some people suggest that it's basically saying that there will always be people that are so damaged and corrupted from whatever happened to them, mm-hmm. their life experiences, that they're not only a danger to others, but they are a danger to themselves, and that their impulse control or ability to self-regulate is so broken that mm-hmm. they do things that to their own detriment, right. they can be aware that if they do this thing, it will, it will harm them, mm-hmm. but they just but they do it anyway because it. Mm-hmm. it is their nature. So anyway, I thought this was a good uh, life it. lesson to take. I and love yeah, my feet this week. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Mine's a bit more, a little, a little bit more boring, but oh, you're gonna I listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my two pesos today, we're going to be talking about bed nesting. Oh. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so take this scenario. I'm married. I've got two kids. I'm living a happy life until about I don't know ten years later. I realized that my partner and I, we're not really seeing eye to eye. This is not working. We we need to divorce. And this is where bed nesting comes in. Now, usually what would happen is you may split your marital home. The guy, the, the one partner gets a house, the another mm-hmm. partner gets a house. But in bed nesting, what happens is that the main marital home still stays mm-hmm. so that the kids have a stable home, so to speak. And then the partners just rotate in and out. So that's bed nesting. And it's based on nestling where the baby, I guess the baby uh, birds never leave their nest. It's just the parents who come in and then feed them and Mm -hmm. then leave. So I actually think on the one hand, it's a great way of achieving stability for the kids. The kids don't need to be shuttling back and forth. And if the parties respect each other and if the divorce wasn't messy, obviously right, this is because there's a lot of ifs, ifs in there. But <laughs> yeah. Because if your partner has done really, really something really horrible before you got divorced, then this is obviously might not work as smoothly as you'd want to. It also requires that the partners are in the same location. If I'm mm-hmm. living here in Tamanda, my partner is somewhere in Koforidia, that's going to be difficult. Right. Just coming to back switch, and forth yeah. all the time. Now, what can also happen is that the the pa- partners, the divorce partners, agree on getting just an extra flat or an extra home, so that when one partner is here, the other partner is, is there. So they sort of share it. But what happens if your ex partner or your ex husband or your ex wife gets is gets into a new relationship? Right, right. What happens then? Then the whole thing becomes even more complicated. And it's also a matter of cost. Let's say you've put all your hopes and your dreams and your money into your marital home. Why are you going to get money now I to know. get an extra house? I feel like this is very much for rich people. Honestly, because, honestly. Oh, let's just get an extra house. <laughs> and then... <laughs> yeah. 
And I just feel like also on the other hand, there's a reason why people separate, a reason why people get divorced. So at some point, maybe you might want to make, separate, it, clean make it clean. You might say, oh, it's because of the kids. But the kids are not stupid. They are smart enough to realize that, okay, maybe my people are going through something. If they explain it to us, we might understand. Mm-hmm. But... Again, you don't know how long are you going to be comfortable doing that in and out. This is used to be your home, but suddenly it's not. You're just sort of a temporary person who comes to take care of the mm-hmm. kids and then you leave. That can't be good for no, your well-being because you're either. never quite settled right, after that. Right, right. It's good for the kids. I think it's good in the short term, but in the long term, everybody's going to want to move on with their life and then there has to be another way. So while on the one hand, bed nesting may prove to be a good solution in the short term, I think long term... People need to look right, for right. I think maybe when your kids are small, yes, it exactly. might be. But might once be they get to a certain age, yeah. where you can be like, no, yeah, no mommy and daddy ain't getting on. So it's a great way to co-parent. But then, like she said, in the long term, you might want to think about something else. So that's bad nesting for you. All right, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Very useful information. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's so it for today. See you next Thanks week. Bye. All right, bye. If you enjoyed the episode and you're listening to us on any of our platforms, please give us a thumbs up. Remember to subscribe and we'd also love for you to share this episode with your friends. Let's continue the conversation. We'd like to hear your feedback. Information on how to reach us on our website can be found in the description.